morning, one church. That clip that we just watched was from the movie Contact. That movie, the uh, one of the scenes there, you see this vast array of satellite dishes. Uh, my recollection is it looked like it was just hundreds of satellite dishes. All of them, all of them searching for some signal from out of space. They wanted some kind of communication. They were looking for some kind of communication from intelligence from outer space. So they have all these satellite dishes seeking these signals, and that's kind of what the movie is about, is there's contact that is there. Well, this morning, we're going to look at a story that's uh, a true story. Obviously, it's, it's from the Scripture. And it's a story about contact, contact that God made with us. Now, as we saw just at the end of that clip, even it, it talked about uh, Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's the first uh, verse that are, is in the scriptures. Then the clip also showed uh, John chapter 1, verse 1, which is where we're going to be today. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to John chapter 1. We're going to spend a uh, few minutes this morning just studying John chapter 1 and looking at some of the uh, verses in John chapter 1 that talk about the contact that God had with mankind. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John chapter 1. The Apostle John is the author of the, of the Gospel of John that we'll, we'll be reading from this morning. The Apostle John wrote the Gospel of John long after the other uh, three Gospels were written. We don't know exactly when but we know that it was many years after the, the first three Gospels were written. He begins his Gospel in a completely different manner than the other Gospels. One of the things I want to look at this morning is, is why he did that to see if we can get the message that he has for us. And as we're going to see, he really begins it just in a, in a very unique fashion because he doesn't even mention Jesus Christ by name in the first part of this Gospel. Now, it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the good news about Jesus Christ. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. But you're going to see that he doesn't mention Jesus by name initially. Uh, let me read to you again. John chapter 1. It's on the screen. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. First thing that strikes me just looking at that passage is why does he start his gospel, the story that he's about to tell, with the exact same phrase that the Old Testament opens with, in the beginning. Well, what do you think about when you think about in the beginning? The idea that, that comes to our mind is at the very beginning of time. And that's exactly what John wants us to think about. At the very beginning of time. How many of you um, remember the movie Star Wars? I bet most of you remember the movie Star Wars. Does anybody remember how does that, that movie begin? So what are the, the words that come out? A long, long time ago in that movie as it begins. I, I just loved that movie when I was, I think I was fresh out of high school when that came out. Uh, but it starts the story and it tells a story that happened a long, long time ago. Well, today we're going to look at a story that did not happen a long, long time ago. We're going to look at a story that happened before time. That's the whole idea of in the beginning. 
Before time was the Word. In the beginning was the Word. Before time was the Word. Now, John uses the phrase, and we're just going to look at this just almost even word for word for a little bit here. In the beginning, before time was, he uses the word was there. What does he mean by that? And, and I, as we look at that word and we start to think, what does he mean? In the beginning was the word. Well, when he says was, he's using the same word that the scriptures use uh, to, to define who God is. In the Old Testament, when Moses asked God who he should say was sending him to the people of, uh, of Israel who were in captivity in Egypt, when Moses said, well, God, who do I say is sending me? What's your name? God says, I am. I am that I am. In the Greek, that's the exact same word that we have that's used here when he says, in the beginning was. In fact, in the New Testament, when Jesus is asked who he is, and they talk about, is he older than Abraham? He says, I am. And what he means by that, and the word literally means, I exist. I have always existed. I, I exist, and so it's, when it says here, in the beginning, before time, the Word existed. Now let's just think about that for just a moment. Before time, the Word existed. Before the beginning of time, before the creation of the universe, we watched this clip that showed how vast the universe is. And we just have a, a small concept of how vast the universe is. Before it was created, the Word was. The Word existed. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Now, one of the first things that just really starts to jump out at me is, why does John use the term, the Word? And I'm going to try and distinguish between those. And, and, and I may even, the Greek word that is used there is, is logos, or, or logos, and I'm not exactly sure how you pronounce it because I'm not a Greek scholar, but... That's the Greek word that's, that's used there. And I may use that because it's easier than saying the word and getting you confused constantly. But in the beginning was the word, the logos. Now, why does he use that term? He's trying to convey some kind of message. He could have said, in the beginning was Jesus. But he doesn't. He says, in the beginning was the word. Now, when we look at those things, I think, why? Why does he say that? Well, if you look back at the time that John wrote... Uh, his gospel, the Greeks, uh, well, the general definition, let's start with the general definition for the word logos. The general definition there was an intelligent expression. Uh, and that, what that means is something that is said uh, that actually communicates intelligently. So the whole idea was that uh, when you talk about word, you're talking about something that is an intelligent communication or a revelation of something. And, and word, speech, uh, discourse, speech, anything like that that's intelligent. Communication. Now, the Greeks understood it in a philosophical sense to mean reason and to mean, uh, and they even took it in a more, a larger sense, and they talked about the Logos as the reason that was kind of behind the world, the, the unseen force that was behind all that had happened in the world, the creation, uh, what goes on in the world. It was kind of what drove things without their, but they would not call a Logos God or any kind of individual. It was not personified in any sense. It was just a general sense. So their idea of the uh, concept of the word was a very broad definition that kind of dealt with this logic or reason that was out there. But again, intelligent communication being a part of that. The Jews actually thought of the word logos 
uh, when they would say that, they would actually think of God because that's a word that was used uh, in Jewish terms to speak of God and to refer to God because they would talk about the Word of God. And sometimes they would just say the Word uh, referring to God because they did not use the name of God directly. So oftentimes they would find other ways to do that. So we have Word is the concept of intelligent communication. And it's the seen as kind of this general reason that was behind all of the universe. And it also was seen by the Jews actually as referring to God directly. So why does John take that word, logos, and use it in his uh, gospel as the opening to his gospel? He says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. What is he trying to convey by using the term logos? I think what he's trying to convey is that in the beginning was, and then he's going to say here, it's the intelligent expression, the visible image of God. And that's exactly what Jesus Christ is. He is the image of the invisible God. So in the beginning was Jesus, who is the intelligent expression, the reason that is behind everything. Uh, In the beginning was Jesus Christ, who is the Word. Now, uh, John uses this phrase because he's going to, you see how it just fits in as we look through this passage here. So you just look at the idea. In the beginning was the Word, and he's referring to the intelligent expression of communication of who God is. This is in the beginning, so before time, the Word existed, and the Word was with God. That phrase, the Word was with God. What is he trying to convey to us, to his readers, with that with that phrase, the Word was with God? Well, if you're with God, there's a little bit of a distinction from God, right? You see that? There's just a little bit of a distinction there. He's saying the Word was with God, not in this point. So he's talking about, really, and it's that there's a distinction between the Word and God. But there's fellowship. The Word was with God. We continue on just looking at the verse. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That was, again, is the same word. So the Word existed as God. Now we see the Word was with God. The Word was distinct from God in some fashion. But the Word also uh, had fellowship with God. And now we see that the Word existed as God. What point is John trying to convey? That there's unity between the Word and God. There is, and this is the term that that he uses throughout his gospel later on to speak of this concept, there's oneness between the Word and God. The Father and the Son are one. And so that's the idea that he's trying to convey, even with that phrase. Let's just look at this very first verse, this introduction to the story that John's going to tell us. In the beginning... Before the beginning of time, before time began, the Word existed. Jesus Christ existed. The Word was with God. The Word had fellowship with God. The Word was distinct from God. And the Word was God. The Word was unified with God. In one verse, we've learned an awful lot about Jesus Christ, about who Jesus is. Let's go on to the second verse. It would help if I turn to the passage. Verse 2, he was in the beginning with God. All right, let me just read it and we'll get it all in one, one uh, flow of thought. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
He was in the beginning with God. Now, do you notice the change there? A little bit. And he's gone from speaking of the word. Now he's used, we're using a pronoun. A pronoun referring to a person, right? He was with God in the beginning. Who was with God in the beginning? The word. The word is Jesus Christ. Right? And he's just reiterating there the very truth that he had just taught us in the first verse. That the word was with God in the beginning before the beginning of time. The word is distinct from God. But the word is one with God and is God. Now, that really kind of lays out for us the relationship between the word and God. The word was God. The word is God. The word was with God. It is distinct from God and in fellowship with God. Beginning in verse 3, we're going to see just a little bit of a change, and it kind of shows us the relationship of the word to creation. Verse 3 says... All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. I probably would have gotten and counted off had I written that sentence in an English class. Because it seems to say the same thing twice, doesn't it? You wonder why he's saying that. All things were made through him. How many things were made through him? All things. How many? That means everything, right? That includes everything. Now, and that's kind of, and so he just kind of emphasizes that all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made. So, has anything ever been created that was not made through the Word? No. The answer is no. Nothing has ever been created that was not created through the Word. Now, that includes, and I would, this is really not the, the primary point of the passage, but I think it's important to know, some people believe that Jesus was created, that he has not always existed. This passage tells us that that's just not true. He has always existed. He was with God, and he's one with God. And this verse specifically tells us he never, was never created because all things were created through him. Without him was not anything created. All right, so the word in its relationship to creation, all things were created through him. And then in verse 4, we're going to see even a little bit more about the relationship that the Word has to creation. Verse 4 says, In Him was life, and the light, life was the light of men. So in relationship to creation, what, what is the Word's relationship to creation? It's the Word that brings life. See, John's just setting that out for us very clearly. The Word, all things were created through Him. All things have life in Him. In the Word. So, and that really lays out for us our, our understanding of our relationship that the Word has to all of creation, including all living things, because all life comes through Him. And then in verse, um, last half of verse 4 and verse 5, we're going to talk about the relationship that the Word has to mankind specifically. Uh, a subset of all that is alive, right? So he's going to talk about mankind specifically. He says, uh, verse 4 again, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. What's the relationship of the Word? First, let's talk, what's the relationship of the Word to life? The Word is life. There's light, all life is in the Word, right? And what's the relationship of life the life that is the Word 
uh, to the light. It's the same thing, right? The word is the light. This gets a little bit complex as you start going through it, but John is just saying, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God, right? And in the word is life. And from the life is light. What's the importance of the light that we're talking about here? And he kind of gives us a clue. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness is not overcome it. What's the importance of light? Light lets us see. It illuminates. It shines. It, it lets us see where we are and what's going on. And that's really the concept that it's used for uh, over and over again in the Scriptures. Light brings the knowledge of God and who God is. It gives us understanding. Light is always connected with that. Light is connected with life. And in fact, the Scriptures say that God is light, and in Him there is no darkness at all. So we see a contrast between light and darkness uh, throughout the Scriptures, and it's one that John is playing on in this passage right here. The Word is the light. The Word is the light that points us to, that enables us to see God. And that really is the point that he's making here, right? In the, so the, the Word, all things were created through the Word. All things have life through the Word. And the Word is the light that reveals God, that lets us see who God is. You see, just in these, these uh, few verses, John has just told us a lot about who Jesus Christ is. Without even naming Jesus specifically, and we'll see later on that he actually does identify Jesus specifically as the word that he's been talking about. Now, one other thing, in verse 5, he says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I kind of look at that uh, passage, I think, why does he say that? What's important about that? The light wins. Right? The light wins. The light shines in the darkness. The darkness is not overcome. When John wrote this gospel, Jesus had, had uh, ascended and gone back to heaven and been gone for quite some time. It is quite probable that Jerusalem had been destroyed at this point. Uh, there was a lot of fear, a lot of uncertainty. The church was growing and just beginning to grow and spread out. And what John is saying is the light has, over, has not been overcome by the darkness. The light wins. There is victory in the light. Now, those verses are really just kind of an introduction to the greatest story that's ever been told, and that is the gospel story. And that's what John tells us in the next few verses. So we're going to take uh, just a moment, and we're going to read through uh, the next uh, seven or eight verses, ten verses, that give us the story of the gospel as John tells it in his introduction to the book of John. And I'll begin in verse 6. There's a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. All right, let's stop right there for just a moment. The man who was sent from God, his name was John. That's not John the Apostle who's writing the letter. That's John the Baptist, who was sent as a messenger to proclaim and prepare the way for Jesus Christ. John the Apostle says there's a man sent from God, and that's John the Baptist. He came to be a witness to the light, to say that the light was coming into the world. Verse 9. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. There's the message that John the Baptist proclaimed. It was a message of great hope, the true light that enlightens everyone. Take just a moment and think about just even what, that, what he's saying there. The true light, Jesus is the true light that really does unveil and illuminate who God is and tells us who God is. He was coming into the world. And I, I kind of think of that, just if you think about for a moment, just when the sun rises, this is a... a 
Scripture uh, uses this analogy uh, or metaphor a lot. It talks about Jesus as the dawn, the sun rising at the dawn. When the light comes up, you just begin to see a little bit of light, a little bit, and as it gets higher and higher, the light is brighter and brighter until eventually everything is illuminated. And that's the idea, right? The light that was coming into the world enlightens everyone. It, it allows us to see who God is. And that, that it, I shouldn't say that, is Jesus Christ. He's the Word that came into the world. A light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of the blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Let's stop right there. Verse 14 is the, is the apex. It's the highest point of the story. It's a verse that as you're telling the story, as you listen to it, it should almost make you just want to jump up and shout and say amen. Yes, because what does he say? And the Word. Now, who was the Word? John told us who the Word was, right? In the beginning was the Word. Before time, the Word existed. The Word has always existed. The Word was God, and the Word was with God, right? The Word was in fellowship with God. The Word is the creator of all things. Nothing was made except through Him. The Word is is life to all that is living. The Word is the light that unveils God to us. That Word is the Word that came in the flesh. So when he says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, that is the best news that we have ever heard, that mankind has ever heard. The word became flesh. God, the son, became flesh and dwelt among us. Amen. That should be our praise. As the story is being told, I can just imagine if John were sitting down and telling this to a group of people, I can just imagine them jumping up and shouting, amen, because that's the exact reaction that we should have to that news. The, word, the light was coming into the world to bring light to us. Oh, and the word became flesh. Now, the, the Greeks and the Jews alike would have been a little bit shocked by this concept that reason or intelligence or any of those things actually became flesh. And what John says, that all those things come together in Jesus Christ, who is the intelligent communication and expression of God. He is the the express image of the invisible God, and he made God manifest to us when he came in flesh as a human being. When he came, it says, We have seen his glory, the glory of the only Son from the Father. The glory that Jesus had that he brought with him, it wasn't his glory, it was the glory of the Father. Right? And he says that that glory was full of grace and truth. Now, there's a little bit of an aside, and even in, in uh, most Bibles, it's actually even in parenthesis in verse 15, which actually just kind of tells you that, that this is a, uh, just set it aside for a moment. It's a thought that he adds, and he says, John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He comes after me, ranks before me, because he was before me. All he's saying there is that, yeah, Jesus was born, Jesus The Son was born after John the Baptist, but Jesus the Son has always been. 
He ranks before him. He's much higher than him. And that's exactly what John the Baptist testified to uh, while he was here on earth. Verse 60, and from his fullness, from whose fullness? From the Son's fullness, which he gets from the Father, we have all received grace upon grace. Now, the story is just coming to that culmination, right? And the Word, God the Son, became flesh. We have seen his glory. It's the glory of the Father. And from him, we have received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. What does grace mean? Well, the, the best way that I know how to explain that, and this, it just means favor. And the word literally just means favor, God's favor. And it carries with it the idea that it is completely undeserved, unmerited. You can't earn it in any fashion. And through Jesus Christ, we receive God's favor upon God's favor upon God's favor upon God's favor. That's the greatest story that was ever told. In the beginning, the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And from Him, we have received God's fullness. From His fullness, excuse me, we have received God's grace upon grace. That's the story. That's a great story. But it's not all the story, is it? There's a couple of verses in there that I kind of skipped over. I want to go back to just In verse 10, he says, He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. What's the concept there? The creator came into the world, and the created beings did not recognize him, did not know who he was. Just a fact. It's part of the story. Verse 11, he came to his own and his own people did not receive him. Now it's even more personal. He was in the world. He created the world. The world didn't know him, didn't recognize him. Now it's even more personal. He came to his own people. And his own people, not only did they not recognize him, but here it says they did not receive him. And it really carries the idea that they rejected him. His own people rejected him. Verse 12. That's the, the, the way that he was received. Verse 12 tells us that's not the, uh, the end of the story. But... To all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Amen. There's the grace again, and that's what Jesus brought to us, the right to become the children of God. And he goes on to talk about the children of God, they're not born of human flesh. They're not born of the human decision. We don't make the decision to make us a child of God, right? They're not born of any human effort or the will of man. What are the children of God born of? Who is their father? The will of God. They're born of God. Jesus came. The word came. He became flesh and he dwelt among us and he brought God's grace to us. And to all who receive him, 
who believe in him, who accept him and put their trust and their faith in him. And the word really there, it carries with it to all who are believing in him. That's not Believing him is not something you do once when you walk an aisle and belief is, is, is set and done. Believing is something that we do. To all that receive him and believe him, who put their trust in him and live with their faith, putting their faith in Jesus Christ because he brought God's grace. He's the one that brought God's grace to us. You see, in this passage, John has told us the greatest story that has ever been told. He's told it in a slightly different fashion, kind of almost a little bit of a misdirection, because he started with it in the beginning was the Word. But he wanted the people at that time to think about what he meant. He wanted them to think about who Jesus Christ is. It's not until the 17th verse that he tells us that Jesus is the Word. such an important story. He reiterates the truth of it in verse 18. It says, no one has ever seen God. Let's just stop just for a moment and think about that. No one has ever seen God. Other verses tell us that as well. The scripture, you've got a spirit. And in his fullness and completeness, we cannot see God. As a man, we cannot see God. But, and that's really the, the, the greatness of the story. But the only God, this is in the second half of verse 18, the only God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. Okay, who is the only God who is at the Father's side? Who is the only God that is at the Father's side? I hear a few uncertain answers. All right, who have we been talking about this morning? The Word, right? The Word and Jesus Christ is the Word. When Jesus went back to heaven, he now sits at the Father's side. Who is the only God that is at the Father's side? I know the phrase is a little bit confusing, but that's exactly what John wants us to do, is to understand that Jesus is God. And that God, the Son, came and revealed to us who God the Father is. He has made God known. That's why he uses the term, the Word, because he wants us to understand that God came in the flesh to make God known to all men, to bring God's grace and truth to us. A lot of people are looking for contact. Contact from outer space. The real contact has already been made. God made contact when he became flesh and dwelt among us. We saw in this story the response of the world, the response of his own people. The question that I would leave you with this morning is, what is your response to the greatest story that has ever been told? Have you recognized that the Word is the Son of God? Have you accepted or rejected Him? That's the question we're going to close with this morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for making Yourself known.
for making your character known, for bringing your love to us. How great is your love? Deeper than all those, those heavens that we looked at, deeper than the oceans, deeper than anything that we can imagine. Your love is greater and deeper and wider. And Father, we thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, for your love that you poured out upon us through him. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here that is not accepting you, that is not believing and trusting in you, Father, that you would speak to their hearts, draw them to you, that they would turn. Turn to you, put their trust and faith in you. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ, the Word.